There are three things that darkness cannot contain. The moon, the stars, and the truth. All three will find their way through the darkness. Truth will often pierce its way through in unexpected ways, at unexpected times, and sometimes through unexpected people. Hello, my name is Lenora Housie, and you're listening to Secrets of the Churched, Revealed to Heal. Hello and happy Friday. I hope you're well. I hope you're healthy and I hope that you are free. I also hope that this podcast has been a blessing to you. Your feedback about how this podcast has been helping you deal with your own truth has been absolutely amazing and so encouraging to me. Many of you have already messaged and emailed me, but if you haven't done so, please do. We want to hear from you when you're ready. Now, I must apologize because I believe in the last episode, I gave you the wrong email address. The correct email address is mychurchsecret at gmail.com. That's my, M-Y, church, C-H-U-R-C-H, secret, S-E-C-R-E-T, all is one word, at gmail.com. We really do want to hear from you. And I want to pray for you. And you never know. It may be your story, your truth, that helps set someone else free. And speaking of being free, I've made it a point of distinction that there are some Bible translations that say in John 8.32 that you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free, not set you free. Because there is a difference. But a very wise young man, my nephew, Joshua Davis, Encourage me to let my listeners know that if you are free, free from the secrets that have kept you, free from the bondage that you have been in for years, whether you say you've been set free or that you were made free, you are free indeed because of Jesus. So I don't want to get caught up in semantics. All I want is just freedom for everyone by knowing the truth. Amen. Amen. Now, if you listened to our fourth episode two weeks ago, you heard Reverend Dorothy Boulware share her story about how she was born a church secret and how that impacted not just her life, but the life of her mother, who was just a teenager when she got pregnant by one of the married church ministers. We're going to listen in on more of my conversation with Reverend Boulware in just a few minutes, but before we do, I want to pick up where I left off with my own story last week and let you know what I discovered when I walked into Pennsylvania's Department of Vital Records over 30 years ago. I can remember the day like it was yesterday when armed simply with a piece of paper with my birth mother's name and birth date on it, I nervously walked up to the records clerk, handed her $2, and asked to see all the marriage certificates starting with 1960, the year after I was born. As I mentioned last week, I made the assumption that my birth mother eventually did get married, as it was very uncommon for a young woman not to do so in those days. 
I was amazed to discover how easy it was to gain access to public records and how much you could learn for just $2, at least back then, that's all it was. So after I paid this small fee, the clerk directed me to an area with shelves of big leather-bound books. I think it was leather, maybe it was vinyl, but I took a deep breath and my search began. Using my birth mother's first and last name, I pulled down the volumes of books that contain marriage certificates. I started in January 1960. Nothing. February. Nothing. March. Still nothing. And that trend continued through the entire year of 1960s marriage certificates that were on file. There was no marriage certificate on file with my birth mother's name, but I pressed on. I pulled down the leather-bound book from 1961 and painstakingly went through each and every month and each and every marriage certificate in 1961. Nothing. 1962, nothing. 1963, still nothing. So by now, you might be asking, why did you keep looking? Why did you persist with this search? I mean, I had no evidence, no proof that she really even ever got married. Believe me, I ask myself the same question even now. But all I can say was that I was being guided by a force that was bigger than me, by the very hand of God that was on my life from day one. So with that, I kept going until what must have been hours later when I pulled down the volume from 1964. And then I found it. My mother's marriage certificate, her name, her address at the time, and the name of the man she married five years after my birth. You can only imagine the thoughts that were racing through my mind when I finally found her marriage certificate. Was the man that she married my father? Did they still reside in Pennsylvania? If this man was not my father, did he know about me? But with all of these thoughts and questions, the one thing that, I, that never entered my mind and the last thing that I ever expected to discover was that when I saw the signature down at the bottom of that marriage certificate that had the name of the pastor that officiated my birth mother's wedding, that I would at the same time be seeing the name of my father. Yes, you heard me right. The pastor that performed the wedding ceremony of my birth mother and her husband was my biological father at the same church in which I was conceived. A fact that I would only learn on the day I met my mother. So that's it for now about my journey. There will be more next week, but for now, please keep listening as we go back to my discussion with Reverend Dorothy Boulware and hear more about her church secret. Where we left the conversation last week is how what happened to 
Reverend Bulber's mother because, you know, let's just, you know, call it what it was. Mm -hmm. It happened to her. Mm -hmm. It happened to her. She was a child. She was 17 years old. So, uh, and he was a sexual predator. And Mm -hmm. it's something that he'd be in jail for Mm -hmm. if he, if charges were to have been pressed. Um, Talk about, again, um, what you feel or the state you feel that left your mother in. Let me say, um, it was just in the last three months that I was able to verbalize that. Hmm. I actually was writing a foreword for another book. And I, for the first time, I wrote that my mother had been sexually abused by a minister. First time you used those words. The first time I used those words. Um, and I, I know it's because of the mindset that has extended that it's somehow the woman's fault, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. um, even when the woman is younger or younger girl, the words are often used. Well, but she acted like a woman or she came on to me like a woman or, you know, mm-hmm. she was and, fast. She and, was grown. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And the women of the church have often bought into that. And, you know, so, yeah, it was hard for me, but I realized I had never said it that way. Mm-hmm. But when I looked at their ages, I had to just say she was sexually she was abused. sexually abused. By a minister, and she carried the brunt of that her entire life. I don't think there was ever a moment that he experienced any kind of embarrassment, any shame. There was no public ridicule of Mm -hmm. any kind you know and we don't think about the ramifications Mm -hmm. of those things I had a a friend who got pregnant as a teenager and the people in church made her feel so bad she has not to this day gone back to church wow so where where's the healing for a situation like that if we just send everybody away my other girlfriend it happened to she left our church she did go back to a church Mm -hmm. and is active and everything but she left ours because of the way the women treated her right um in the church after it happened something that you said again worthy of repeating if, if we said it even if we said it on the last episode is that um do you think your mother ever really found her footing in the in the church in I don't think she ever found her footing in the church even though she began to be a regular church goer mm-hmm. and even participated in ministry in different ways I don't think she ever found her footing in church but more importantly I I think it may have been not until near death that she found her footing in her relationship with the Lord. Mm. I felt like I was always trying to convince her of how much God loved her and that God approved of her and Mm -hmm. that, you know, Mm -hmm. that she had a place, Mm -hmm. not just like, you know, God loved her because he loved me or, you know, something like that. But that she had a place um, in, in a situation like that. Um, and we don't do enough of that anyway, making people know that um, their relationship with the Lord is what's most important. What's most Too many of our um, church members are relying on the pastor for a word from the Lord mm-hmm. and for direction and all of that. When God is speaking to us all the time, mm-hmm. we just have to learn to sit. That's right. And to quiet ourselves so that we can hear. He's always reaching out to us. I still believe that when you hold a position of authority, particularly of spiritual authority, you're never on equal plane. 
it is always um, a, a higher power taking advantage of a lesser power, Absolutely. even though it's the, the lesser power perceives themselves to be less. Right. But if a person is a man of God or a woman of God and they exercise power over you, there is always the the intimation that they are acting with God's approval. Yeah. Yes, yes. And some people will come out and say, when I speak, you're hearing God speak. Oh, you oh know. that's right. But there's always that kind of intimation, even if they don't speak the words. Yeah. And, and we've got to watch out for our, um, our young women and our young men in the church and um, protect them from the leadership mm-hmm. from, and, you know, all around, and especially the children who are adopted children, mm-hmm. the children who are foster children, mm-hmm. because they are perceived not to belong to anybody. Oh, my goodness. And I know you can speak very personally about that. Yeah. Um, because you, despite, you know, how you got here to the planet, um, church has always been a pretty big part of your life, correct? Always, always. As a child? The funny thing is, um, when you when you can look back at God's plan for your life, mm-hmm. when I was in the first household, they were not, um, they were church, church goers, but not like every Sunday goers, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so they weren't people that talked about their faith. I wasn't really sure what it was. Mm-hmm. But in the household was my mother's brother, Uncle Melvin. I talk about him in the book mm-hmm. because at night, Uncle Melvin would read the Bible to me mm-hmm. when it was time to go to bed. Mm-hmm. And on Sundays, he would take me to church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was a house pastor. He, like, he was like 16 years old. Wow. Or, or even younger because mm-hmm. when he turned 16, then he left and he joined the, joined the army. Mm-hmm. So I was really lost then. But, um, yeah, God always has a way. Yeah. And so even in that, so by the time I was four years old, I could read the Bible like I read it now. You know, because every night Uncle Melvin was reading the Bible. That's right. <laughs> Knowing that you've been in church pretty much your whole life. My whole life. Your whole life. And mm-hmm. as I mentioned, you're an ordained licensed uh, minister. And so you are very familiar with um, and have a wonderful relationship with God. But how did what your experience was, how did that impact you? You talked about being vulnerable as an adopted or foster child. Mm-hmm. How did that impact you? Well, so what would happen is, and this was even as I was an adult, um, men in the church would say things to me mm-hmm. that were inappropriate. Hmm. Um, knowing that I really didn't have anybody to go to and get protection mm-hmm. from it, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and I knew I knew what it was, but there was nothing I could do about it. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it was subtle. Sometimes it was not so subtle. But um, it did leave me in a place of being vulnerable. Yeah. And um, even sometimes being misunderstood, sometimes mistreated by church leadership, to a point that by the time I left um, my home church to go to seminary, I was in such a state of pain mm. that... Literally, I wanted to leave the church. Mm-hmm. Um, my ears didn't want to hear preaching and, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of telling you what to do. Mm-hmm. And it, So what I did was I, um, again, through the leading of the Spirit, I got the Bible on tape. Mm-hmm. And every moment that I wasn't working or mm-hmm. 
in some type of interaction with people, I had the Bible going in my ears. And just letting the word of God just, letting the just word wash flood me. and wash yeah. your spirit. Totally. Okay, so we're going to pick this conversation up in yet another episode because I really want you to speak to people who, as adults, have um, been active in the church and then something happens or someone happens mm-hmm. and they develop um, almost a disdain for all things looking like, sounding like church, mm-hmm. because there are masses of people that mm-hmm. fall in that category, and we need to let them know how they can get back into our communion and relationship with God. So, I, and I just want before we wrap up, I, I really want to be obedient to the Holy Spirit, and I just really feel like there's someone listening today um, that. Um, I just really want to pray for and I want to pray for that person who has gone through and it may be many of you who have who have gone through an experience in the church where you were sexually abused and you may think well you know I was an adult and I made a decision but no as we said earlier um you're never on equal footing or equal ground with someone who is in spiritual authority, even if they abuse that authority. So I pray God's healing on you in the name of Jesus, that you will come to know the truth about God's love, the Mm -hmm. truth about God's plan and God's purpose for your life. Reach out. I promise you we will get back in touch with you and pray and minister to you for your own healing. We thank you for being with us this week. And as always, you shall know Know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Reverend Bowers' books can be purchased on Amazon.com or on her website, DorothyScottBowers.com. You have been listening to Secrets of the Church, Revealed to Heal, a production of Be Inspired Global Media. If you have been burdened with a church secret and want to be free and healed, please email us at mychurchsecrets at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at ChurchSecrets1. Look for new episodes of Secrets of the Church every Friday. And remember, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free.